Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift, gift of this new day. Lord, thank you that the sun came up bright and clear this morning. Thank you, Lord God, that we can be worshiping you in this warm and beautiful church. Lord God, we pray that you would focus our hearts and minds on you. May the burdens, may the weights that we brought with us into this place, may we lay them at your feet. Lord, and may we be free from the oppression of them, that we might worship you, that we might praise you, that we might hear you. And Lord God, speak to us today. Lord, place your words in our mouths and help us to be faithful in proclaiming those words. And we pray that you would speak deep into our hearts now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning! It is great to see you all today. Well, I brought you with I brought with me this high-tech prop. It is a Christmas ornament I made when I was in elementary school um, a long time ago. Right? There was Christmas back then. Right? Um, not that I'm pretty old, but uh, and so it's made with a picture of me with buck teeth and all, uh, and I then clothed myself with uh, felt. To be a Santa Claus. I've got a little bag, a little Santa sack for gifts and stuff. Uh, I'm not the most excellent craftsman, although there is a fine rhinestone for a belt buckle. I think that's a pretty cool detail. But other than that, like, it's all the felt is crunchy because I got glue all on the outside of it. You know, instead of being very precise and getting it just on the paper backing, I've got it everywhere, right? Uh, I don't even have hands. I mean, how am I supposed to give out the gifts if I'm Santa Claus with no hands, right? I didn't think about this much, but there it is. But it's precious to me. Why is this thing precious to me? Memories, Memories right? I made this thing when I was a kid. And even the, the poor things about it remind me of who I was, right? It's, uh, it's significant because it's mine. It's mine. I made it, and I see it every year, and it reminds me of my life, of where I was, and reminds me who I am, and it's significant, and I like it. Now, you wouldn't find it on Martha Stewart's tree, though, <laughs> right? You know, hers would be all perfection and everything. This has no significance to her, and really, to most other people, it wouldn't either, but to me, it's precious because it's mine. The same situation the preciousness because something is mine. We see that in our Old Testament passage for today, in Isaiah. Now Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament who was given the really difficult task of preaching to a people who he had been told by God, the more you preach, the less they'll hear. That's rough, right? Can you imagine that? The more you preach, the less they'll hear. The more you proclaim mercy and love, the harder their hearts will get. And that was Isaiah's task that God had given him. And he did it faithfully. And from the mouth of Isaiah come some of the most amazing passages in Scripture. Right? We've read a bunch of them as we're leading up to Christmas. All those prophecies about the Messiah, so many of them we draw from Isaiah. Our Old Testament reading for today happens to be one of those very significant passages. Now, locationally, which is not even a word, but locationally... 
It comes immediately, our passage comes immediately after a passage of judgment upon Israel for failing to be the messengers and prophets of the Lord. God accuses them of falling short of the calling of proclaiming his message in the world. You see, God had taken Israel and set them like a lighthouse on a promontory so that the world could see the light of God through them. Right? You don't hide a lighthouse back inland. You, don't, you, you put it out so it's sticking out into the sea and visible. And that's what God had done with Israel. The problem was Israel had forgotten all about it. No one was tending the lighthouse. Right? The lights... Some would be his home, but the lights weren't on, I guess, is to flip the expression around. Right? They weren't shining that light of God in the world. And so they weren't fulfilling the purpose for which God had set them on that promontory. Now, in the courtroom, when you hear your guilty verdict, what usually happens next? Sentencing, right? Sentencing. And so it's confusing how, in our passage for today, we hear the guilty verdict, and the next thing we hear is not sentencing, but mercy. The Lord says, through Isaiah, to the people of Israel, I created you and I formed you. Remember where you came from. Remember who made you. Remember your past. I invested in you, and I love you, and I know you. It's a very interesting switch, right? It defies all our expectations of what should happen, and instead shows us the very mercy and grace of God. And he continues, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Okay, now stick with me for a second because we're going to talk grammar, getting back to school here, right? Anybody love grammar? Come on, there's got to be somebody out there who's a big grammar nut. Yeah, yeah, I learned grammar through foreign languages. That's where grammar began to make sense to me. Because these, ver- these verbs here, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, those are in what we call the perfect tense. Anyone ever heard of the perfect tense? Yeah, and what is perfect tense? What is it? Why does what does perfect mean in that sense? Complete. Oh, exactly. Wow, that is amazing. Nobody else has got that. Complete. The perfect tense. I have eaten the cake. Right? Is there any more cake left? No, I have complete. It's perfect. Complete. It's not perfect that I ate it, but it's perfect that it's done. There will be no more cake eating because it is has been consumed. Right? I have redeemed you. It is complete. I have called you by name. You are mine. Complete. Now the perfect tense can also speak of actions that are not only complete or accomplished, but that also continue to affect the present. For instance, I have eaten the cake. Will that continue to affect the present? And the future of my belt line? <laughs> yes! It does. So as well does, for I have redeemed you, continue to affect the future and the present. I have redeemed you. It is finished. You are redeemed, and the effect of your redemption continues to this day. And with something like redemption, it can't be taken away. Like, I can exercise and work off the cake, right? But redemption... That can't be taken away. Cannot be removed from his people. 
Because if it could have, it would have. They'd already done enough that it should be gone, and yet it is still stated as standing. You are mine. You are mine, the Lord says. This perfect condition which was given to Israel, not because of their righteousness, but by God's favor for them, could not be taken away, and it influenced their future. Therefore, Israel was reassured that when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. They might go through flood and fire, but they would survive. Now on Wednesday, I went up cross-country skiing off of Highway 20 up in the woods out there. And after skiing, I decided I would go off-roading in my old Land Cruiser, right? Some say this would be a bad decision. I wouldn't have said so until I got stuck. Right? Because I'd driven down this, or up this, like, um, forest service road. It was all, like, deep troughs, deep, um, like, mud troughs during the summer and spring. But this were, like, deep troughs of untracked snow. I don't know why nobody had driven on it before. Right? But so I go up there, up through, you know, charging around, feeling very cool, because, like, I'm making fresh tracks in the snow, and it's all fun. Then I come into this, and I'm like, oh, I could turn around, but... I want to go to the end of this trail where it opens up into this big overlook, and there'll be plenty of room to turn around there. There was plenty of room. The only problem was the snow was like twice as deep there and all like troughed up from earlier in the week when people had driven through there. So I got in and just... I pull out the shovel. Start digging. Miserable work, right? Have you ever dug out a car? I mean, those things are big, and they're hard to get to parts of them, too, right? So you're, like, crawling around digging this thing out. In the midst of this whole endeavor, this digging out of the car, no, at no time did it enter my mind that that would be the end of me. Maybe that was foolish, but I don't think so, right? That I had an ace in the hole. You know what my ace in the hole was? A cell phone, yep, I had that, but the real thing, because the cell phone can fail you, the real thing that wasn't going to fail me is the highway was less than a mile away, right? And I had cross-country skis too, so if I really needed to get there quickly or whatever, I could just ski there, right? The road was there. Salvation was just a little bit away from me. It might go well poorly for the car, right? That thing might not come out till springtime, but for me, I was going to be fine. I knew I was going to be fine. Even though I was in the midst of an ordeal, even though I knew it was difficult, I would be okay. The reassurance of the proximity of the highway let me know that my, pleasant, unple- my present unpleasant situation would not be the end of me, would not be the final situation. The same was true for Israel. They might be in an unpleasant situation. They might walk through fire. They might go through floods. But that would not be the end of them, for they were the Lord's possession. And he had told them that he held them, and they were his. Now, remarkably, this is not the end of the beautiful promises for Israel. Because despite their failure, despite all that they had done, 
God was willing to ransom them, to make an exchange for them. And what had Israel done to be in this privileged place, this favor of the Lord? What had they done? How had they, what did they achieve to make this possible? Nothing at all. Nothing. In fact, they'd done almost everything to try to get away from it. And yet, God held them still. They were his. They were his. That is the grace of God. Though they would be dispersed all over the world, God would bring them back. He would redeem them because they are his. They are marked with his name. The Lord says, Do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. And we hear this same language in our gospel passage for today. When Jesus, at his baptism, we hear the voice of the Father say, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Do you hear that language? That language of ownership in all the positive sense of it? You are my Son, the Beloved. I claim you. You are mine. I am with you. I love you. And with you, I am well pleased. Now, interestingly, we see in Jesus Christ, there is a slight shift from the promises that were made to Israel in the book of Isaiah, right? Because for the people of Israel, God was willing to offer up a ransom. His son, though, he offers as a ransom for all of us. He doesn't have those same words that I'm going to offer up everyone else's ransom for you. Instead, he offers Jesus Christ as that ransom to bring the people back from all the ends of the earth, to free them from the bondage of slavery and sin and death. He brings them back through the sacrifice of his son. He leads Jesus Christ through the fire and the floods and allows him to suffer and be exchanged for us. Now, long ago, I made this ornament, and it's precious to me because I made it. Not because of its outward appearance, not because it was beautifully crafted, not because it's going to end up in, like, the Metropolitan Museum of whatever, modern art. It's precious to me because it's mine, and I made it. I've called it mine. And I look, and I can see that it's mine when I look at it. I see myself reflected in this. And it's precious to me. You and I were created by God. Created in his image. We are his. He has made us. He has called us by name. And he has ransomed us through the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. How will we respond to this reality? Will we receive the truth? this truth that he has made us and that we are his, and be marked as his own forever? Or will we run? Will we try to get away from this, try to avoid him, try and stay away from this truth? Receiving him and accepting this comes with the hope that he will do anything to redeem us, 
and that our salvation is guaranteed, written in the blood of Jesus Christ. Today, he is calling to us. He is speaking those words, you are mine. May we hear his words and respond to him and allow him to set us free. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for offering the ransom for us. And what a precious ransom it was. Lord, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to set us free. We pray, Lord God, that you would help us to receive this gift. Humble our hearts, Lord. We know what sorts of people we are. And we know that you have not chosen us because of our outward appearance, of our virtue, of our behavior, Lord, or of our thoughts. Lord, you have chosen us purely by your grace, purely because you have loved us. And we pray, Lord God, that you would receive, you would help us to receive this, to receive your forgiveness, to receive your atonement, Lord God, and to be washed clean by the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that as you do this, you would fill us with an ever-increasing joy, that we would worship you, Lord, with our hearts set on fire, and that we would go out into this world, Lord, shining your lights, that others might see you and know you and love you and be drawn to you and find refuge in you. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.